0: Hello, and welcome to Sophia Told Me To, a podcast dedicated to watching and discussing every film Sophia Coppola has recommended, either on her Instagram page or in interviews, in the hopes that I, we, will glean a bit of her genius taste and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Gorski. Welcome to the show. Hello, guys, and happy Halloween. Welcome to episode two of Sophia Told Me To. So for this week, I watched the film Single White Female. It is a 1992 American psychological erotic thriller film based on John Lutz's 1990 novel SWF Seeks Same. It stars Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Lee and was directed by Barbet Schroeder. I will say, this movie holds up after 30 years. It's really funny to me that last week's episode was called Let the Right One In, uh, because this movie could very well have the same title. It's about how your entire world can be changed by letting the wrong person into your life, you know, into your home. How sometimes the villain in your life is your best friend, your roommate, your boyfriend, whatever, who is slowly destroying you from the inside out. You know, I've, it's just from the films, these films, that I've always known the general plot because people reference it so often, like, oh, don't single white female her or whatever. And I feel like it's been used since, which I'll kind of get into. But I had never actually seen the movie, so I was glad to see that Sofia Coppola recommended it. I think it was a few weeks ago. And I was like, great, this is a perfect opportunity, and it's actually the only other horror film on her list of recommendations. So in the spirit of Halloween, I figured I'd go ahead and give it a watch. So the film starts out with a young girl putting makeup on her twin. It's kind of creepy. We're not sure what's going on. And then it cuts to present day. And by present, I mean, you know, the 90s, New York City. And it's at night and there's this happy couple laying in bed. These two very attractive people, Allison and Sam. And they're discussing their marriage plans. And she literally has the word, you know, or says the line, You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. she gets out of bed and she gets out of bed and it's the um it's the first shot where she's like oh she's completely naked and it's a it's a beauty shot of her it was interesting to me that it's um, described as being an erotic movie because I definitely didn't think of it as such although there are a lot of nude shots and there is even a sex scene and uh another sexual scene but I guess I'm just so modern day that it was just so vanilla to me I was like erotic really I think (laughs) of I think of nymphomaniac as being erotic, not not single white female. Is that weird? That I, anyway, even in the shots of um, the naked women, which again there are a lot of, but it's so beautifully done and beautifully lit that it almost looks like art. Like the women don't seem like they're being sexualized; it just seems like a beautiful natural shot. And why wouldn't she be getting out of bed naked? After, you know, sleeping with her fiance. I actually kind of hate that in movies. When And I understand why they have to do it. But it really brings me out of the realism. When, you know, she's a woman's finished making love with a the man. They're lying in bed. And, you know, his chest is completely exposed. And they're talking. And she's covering her boobs. Never in life am I covering myself after just being intimate with someone. I'm like, you know. <laughs> we just saw everything. So anyways. You see that right off the bat. And then a woman calls asking for Sam and Allison hands the phone to Sam and he doesn't pick up. It's a long thing. Basically it's revealed that Sam had slept with his ex-wife the night before. Allison is naturally furious and kicks him out of the apartment immediately. She's devastated, but it's really clear. She's talking to her upstairs neighbor whom she's really close with. And, and he's like, you know, you could get back together with him or you could just live alone for a while. And she's like, no, no, no. It's very clear. She does not want to live alone, that she has a hard time, living alone. And, you know, she's a successful New York businesswoman. She's very pretty. And I can, I, I, you know, I know this person. I know the girl that went from her parent's house to college, to a roommate, to a husband, you know, that never really had the opportunity to live alone. And she has no intent on doing so. So she immediately puts out an ad for a roommate, which is where the title comes from of the novel, A Single White Female Seeks Same which of course today would just so not fly. I was, I didn't like the title at all, but that's, you know, I think it's important to to say that it was an ad title. It was just her, you know, putting out a listing for a roommate. So she interviews a few people that are all total weirdos. <laughs> One is just a completely aggressive. The other is the silent model that literally doesn't say a word. The other is this oversharer that <laughs> shares that she's an incest survivor with a few minutes of being in the apartment I feel like we all know those people. And they're just like, what? I can't trauma bond with you this early. Like, give it a dinner. (laughs) And Allison's, you know, she's devastated. She's uh, worn out. She's just like, this isn't going to work. And she wants to call Sam, but she knows she can't. So she falls to the ground and she starts crying. And in walks Hetty, who sees her crying. She's like, oh, are you okay? Can I get you a cup of water? And Allison's like, no, 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 we should really reschedule. And Hetty's like, no, no. And she gets her a cup of water, telling in and of itself. But Allison kind of goes with it. They bond over the sink bursting on the two of them. They have a good conversation. Allison gives her clothes to wear since Hetty's clothes are soaked in water. And bam, before you know it, Hetty's moving in. So, Hedy moves in and things are pretty normal. Like any new roommate relationship, they're getting to know each other and they're doing things together and start telling each other a little bit about themselves. It's revealed early on that Hetty is a twin or she was a twin. Um, her twin was born stillborn. And it's clear that it's kind of led to this emptiness inside of herself. It's apparent. She's a lonely character. Yeah. Things are sweet at first, but then, then they get weird and they get weird subtly, but quickly. Like Hetty, there's the scene where Allison's looking in the mirror, and Hetty kind of comes up behind her and sniffs her in a way that Allison doesn't notice, but the audience sees, and it just gave me chills up my back. She starts wearing her clothes. She starts deleting her ex boyfriend's messages. She even gets her dog at one point to keep her close. She just starts slowly suffocating Allison in bizarre and subtle ways. As far as Allison's job is concerned, she seems to be a pretty self sufficient and successful businesswoman. She left her past partner in business and she came out with like an invention of some sort of technology that she's trying to sell this guy unfortunately he knows that she doesn't have much contacts and he uses that against her and instead of paying her what she deserves he says i'll give you contacts." she takes the offer this guy really seems like a skis but she needs the uh, the exposure more on that relationship later so despite Hedy really trying to infiltrate and sabotage Allison and Sam getting back together, like I said, she's deleting Sam's messages. She's even at one point hides the mail that Sam sends to Allison with his key to the apartment and an apology letter. But Sam eventually shows up back at the apartment pleading for Allison to get back together with him. And ugh, like every 90s movie, she takes him back. They get back together, and this sets Hetty off. She's like No, no, you are mine. Allison is mine. So what does she do? She's like, okay, I'm just going to slowly encroach on this relationship. Mostly by hitting on Sam. She talks to him while he's in bed like completely naked while Allison's in the bathroom. She starts making him breakfast. Yeah. She just starts essentially flirting with him. Then one morning, Sam is fixing the balcony, which has this loose screw and creates kind of a small um space where a dog could get through so they have to keep the window closed to keep the dog off of the balcony. Sam's fixing that so the dog can go on the balcony and it's discussed that him and Alison are gonna go away for the weekend. Hetty overhears. She's like, oh I hope you guys have fun. Allison and Sam go to work. What happens a few hours later? Allison and Sam discover the dead dog on the street. Allison and Sam don't know that Hetty has done this, but it does, you know, create some tension within the apartment. Hedy tries even harder to win Allison's affection back and she takes her shopping the next day. She takes her shopping and then she's like, let's get our hair done, my treat. They get their hair done together. <laughs> and what do you know? Hetty gets the exact haircut and color of Allison to Allison's surprise, shock, and horror who turns over to see it and just has this look of like, what the actual, what is going on? And so this obsession has now gotten to not only you know wearing allison's clothes and wanting to be more like her to full-on buying the same clothes having the same haircut trying to steal her boyfriend and really sabotaging allison's life so without giving away too much of the rest of the film it just gets really dark from here on out and you know not only are we uncomfortable by hetty not only do we find her creepy but she's now dangerous between the dog and just how obviously and unapologetically, she's copying Alison. We're now afraid for what's going to happen to Alison. I will say it unravels quite quickly. You know, the beginning of the movie does a really good job of setting it up, but then towards the end, just it, it, it gets horrific very fast and I actually quite enjoy that type of pacing. The beginning is, sets it up, but it is a little slow. I will say the cast is relatively small, of course, which is I think good because we really get protective over the main character, Allison. She's incredibly likable, but also strong, and we feel for her because she just can't seem to catch a break in life, despite looking like she has it all together. Jennifer Jason Lee's performance as Hetty is brilliant and stand out. It was, I had so much fun watching her in this part. Hetty is unassuming, but threatening, small, but powerful, sweet, yet totally creepy. And she does it all at the same time. I was terrified of her, but I also pitied her, which is similar to what I, I assume Allie felt. And Jennifer Jason Lee's ability to convey that I, was incredibly impressive and really made the film what it is. What's funny to me is when watching this film, even though, again, like I've said at the beginning, I, I've i heard the term single white female, and I knew what the film was about, but I really related it to two other films I like a lot, um, one of them being... Three Women, um, which is a Robert Altman film that came out in 1977 starring Shelley Duvall and Sissy Spacek. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, It also involves a bizarre, mysterious relationship between a woman, Shelley Duvall's character, and her roommate and coworker, Spacek. Uh, It's fantastic. They're, They're these two women that I think work in an old person's home. And, you know, Spacek's character is... She's very shy and introverted and kind of meek and Shelley Duvall's character is very glamorous and has a social life and this beautiful apartment. And you can tell Spacek really admires her. I forget how, but they somehow become roommates and Sek does the same thing of slowly sabotaging Duvall's life through similar obsessive, imitative techniques. But what's interesting about this movie is as... Sissy Spacek becomes more like Shelley Duvall's character. Shelley Duvall's character becomes more like Sissy Spacek's character. So they kind of switch. But it's that same thing of female imitation and obsession. And it's a roommate relationship. This movie also really reminds me of that Matt Spicer film, Ingrid Goes West. uh, The one that came out in 2017 starring Elizabeth Olsen and Aubrey Plaza. It's the same idea of a kind of a woman who's down and out, not very happy, shy... Not the most charismatic person, who becomes obsessed with Elizabeth Olsen's character, who's more glamorous and has seems to have it all together. And what was interesting about when I noticed watching *Single White Female* with a dog used in the plot. Is that there's also a dog used in Ingrid Goes West when Ingrid steals Elizabeth Olsen's dog to try to get closer to her because she like just, she pretends to find the dog and brings it to Elizabeth Olsen and that's how she initially uh, gets close to them. I just thought it was interesting that both characters used a dog to get close to the woman, and I just think it's a really interesting, you know, theme—the idea of an obsessive character, devoid of their own personality, leeching onto someone they admire and attempt to become more like them. Study them, mirror them, you know, I think we've all done it to some degree, whether it's with famous people or a friend. I mean, it's how we build who we are, right? Aren't we all just derivative, lesser versions of people we admire? I mean, obviously some women take it too far. Can these women in these movies be cured? Is it mental illness is, or is it just obsession taken too far? Um, do you just put all solace in the hopes that if you become like this woman, you'll be happy, What void are they trying to fill, you know? And it's funny because I really think it happens in life too. I mean, I've seen it happen again and again in real life. I've heard friends complain to me. They meet a girl, they start to become close to her. And then she kind of adapts their taste and starts dressing like them and and enjoying the same music as them and copying a lot of things she does. And it tends to happen to my more alpha friends. I don't know. I know that term's not really politically correct, but my girlfriends that are kind of, I'll just use the term alpha, tend to attract these type of women. In fact, I had a friend recently who this happened to and she called me and she was like, am I crazy? Or is she copy? Like, is she, she literally copied my hair? Like her, her boyfriend had told her like, ah, you're just, you know, you're you're reading into it you know you're it's, you're completely flattering yourself and she called me to be like am i and i looked at the situation objectively and i was honestly no and yes it's creepy but of course it's incredibly flattering it's just never flattering for the person that's being copied because no grown person that's out of high school wants a mini me we don't, we want equals we want uh, people that we can be equally inspired from we don't want mirrors even though everyone is a mirror in some degree but i've also noticed that men are generally more dismissive of this and I haven't really heard it happening to men, many men, but I'm sure it does. I just, I haven't heard about it personally, but, um, it feels so high stakes when it happens to a woman, like when my friends are complaining, I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, women are really bothered by it. And I assume it's because not only are they being ripped off of this taste, this personality that took them, you know, their whole life to develop. But I think also when you see it on another woman, you're like, is that all I am? A, hair color? a- a fashion choice—is that me? And suddenly you become disgusted by the mere image of yourself, and you just try to get away from it because, like, no, 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 that's not me. And how could she so effortlessly rip me off? You kind of get embarrassed, and you immediately want to destroy that version of yourself. Which I know doesn't happen in this film, and I've totally gone off topic, but it, it did get me thinking about that. And why is this a reoccurring plot point in movies? And and why are we so drawn to it? And why does it tend to happen in women? Maybe maybe it happens equally in men. I'm just I just haven't heard about it. It also makes me think about the nature of having a roommate. I was listening to an interview with the director and he he's French and he was like, it's not that common outside of America. Like it happens in Europe and it happens around the world, but it's very specifically American to invite a stranger into your home. You know, he was people he was saying that people in Europe would rather have really tiny spaces with communal bathrooms than sharing a home with a stranger. Whereas America, it's totally a given that you share. I mean, it's completely normal. I think there's even apps for it now. Yeah. The idea of just letting someone into your life and how often, I don't know if it's because we were raised on friends or other sitcoms, but we try to treat these people like family and we, and we want them in our lives. I mean, we're a lonely generation. There's been so many articles written about it. And I think we want more people in our lives and how sometimes that can be dangerous because we don't always know who we're letting in which is kind of why I said last week's episode title let the right one in is weirdly applicable to this movie as well I will say I think this movie is great and it's a fun watch and it will definitely have you on the edge of your seats. I love 90s New York I love the fashion I love both the actresses I love that it's female lead characters I don't quite know why it made Sofia Coppola's list. I know it made a big splash. It. it was big for its time. Maybe it's just because I've seen a lot of things like it that I wasn't that impressed by it, if I'll be honest, but I will say it wasn't without art. You know, the cinematography really was beautiful. I think it was, uh, the DP was done, uh, uh, was Luciano Tolvoli. And that is something that stands out in the film is the lighting the lighting is absolutely beautiful and dramatic, and I think that's why, like I said at the beginning of this review, the sex scene, the, the nude scenes didn't come off sexual, it came off more like art, like a still-life painting. I was listening to an interview with the director, and he was saying that, although it was a real apartment building, and they did shoot in, in an apartment building, especially in the basement scenes, that the apartment was actually on a soundstage, so they were able to light it however they wanted. And a lot of that included tons of mirrors around the set. Just the the, uh, the DP was just putting mirrors everywhere so that he could get the light exactly how he wanted it, which I just thought was so beautiful. And it really kind of looks film noir to a degree. There's lots of shadows and uh, blue light. It, it's it's just fantastic. I also loved the apartment. It's just this huge old apartment building in New York with these glamorous large apartments that are just sparsely decorated. It really reminded me of the apartment in Rosemary's Baby, you know, the long corridors just with, just when the main character is walking down one, you you start to get anxiety because they're so long and tall and it's really beautiful. So I guess visually I do understand why it would have made Sofia Coppola's list. I think it's a great movie. I don't know if I, um, if I think it's a masterpiece, I think it's a cult classic worth watching and a great, you know, female-led Halloween movie. And just watch it so you can use the reference with confidence. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Sophia Told Me To. I really appreciate it. Next week, we will be watching and reviewing Paris, Texas, a 1984 film by Wim Wenders. I'm excited for this one. I've heard so many good things about it. So yeah, have a great week. Stay inspired. And I love you guys.